the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Tottenham Hotspur. Now, here are your hosts. Hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Spurs News Podcast. I am Sam, joining me to discuss the wacky and wonderful world of all things Tottenham Hotspur. It's my partner in crime, it's Matt. Hey mate, you alright? No. <laughs> 45 minutes yesterday, we was all both all right, weren't we? Uh, kinda. <laughs> yeah, I think. I don't know. I don't think I've ever had more conflicting emotions over a game in my entire life. I I went into it thinking the only result that's going to piss me off is a draw. Because I was like, you know, if we lose, then at least they're going to catch Arsenal or got a chance of catching Arsenal. And if we win, then great, we won. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like the draw was like the worst case scenario. Here. Mm. It's like, no, no one benefits. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was it was weird. I, I don't know. I'll tell you what, though, and I will say this to kick us off a conversation because you'll find this funny. So, uh, as you know, I've got a very close friend who is a gooner who I have tortured for the last number of years and is currently licking her lips at the prospect of being able to finally put a dare on me again at the end of the season. And she texted me yesterday in the day saying, this is a very odd feeling. I'm going to be supporting Tottenham tonight. And I said, yeah, that must be a very odd feeling. She texted me after the game. And let me let me read this text message to you. I, I think it'll lose something if I if I don't get it exactly word for word. Uh, okay, here we go. I supported Tottenham for precisely one game, and I feel like I've aged ten years. How the fuck do you do this every week? <laughs> <laughs> they they're, they're enjoying it now, but they've had some shocking times over the last few years as well. So, <laughs> well. Yeah, that was that was not not the not the point. It was just I I, I completely get that. I completely can there be that many football clubs that you know two nil up in a game and you sit back and you go, we're still gonna lose. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, do you know? Do you know what it it was? It felt like those two goals. I mean, don't get me wrong; they weren't all over us, but it did no. feel like a bit of an odd kind of against one a play odd yeah. kind of couple of goals, and. I just felt that, yeah, they would come out firing in the second half, and they did. I, I, I had that feeling, and and like you said, it was almost take away the draw. It was almost a win-win for us because well, that's a sickener to lose the game. Yeah, they they would have. I think that would have more or less handed them the title. I think have, so. If we'd have won yeah. that game, so. Yeah. It was just such a funny because I've got a. I'm on Twitter, and Twitter is such a toxic place, and and we won't go down that road again, but. I've managed to get like a nice little corner of Tottenham Twitter where I've got a lot of very like-minded, very similar sense of humour. There's the gallows humour, but it's just kind of stupid sense of humour about being a Tottenham fan. And, and to be honest with you, I need that at the moment. I think we all do. And in this little corner that I've carved in this where the reaction to us going one the like was hilarious. Like if you read down the tweets, it was like, "No, what are you doing, you idiots?" It's just, it's, I mean, it's all it's all joking. It's all meant as banter and funny. Um, and we went two 0 up, and it was like, seriously, seriously, what are you doing to us? What? Why? This is the one game that we were going to let you lose this one game and say nothing about it, and you've gone two 0 up. So the reaction was very funny. But what I thought was also kind of funny is I like looked over to Arsenal Twitter who were celebrating like crazy and all of Spurs Twitter was like we're going to Tottenham this right up I don't know why Arsenal fans are celebrating I, I like it's like they've never heard of us before or seen us before 
<laughs> and sure enough, we, we did. Yeah. And w- within like 10 minutes, <laughs> we were 3-2 down. Weird, it? So weird. And, and it was like, oh, that's better. Oh, this this feels normal. This, this, oh, that, that makes more sense. So, yeah, I, I did have to laugh um, because, uh, I, I don't know, I'm in this weird place right now where... You know that kind of like you know laugh or cry thing. I'm I'm not really crying about it. I, I think the biggest issue is I, I'm becoming indifferent. Like I get angry. Like we lost the North London derby on my 40th birthday. I'm so and, sorry, mate. Yeah, no, no. Trust me, I do not blame you. <laughs> but I, I look. I like. I walked. I sort of come away from that, and I was like, there was a time in my life when that would have absolutely wrecked my day, you know, wrecked my week to the point of uh, it being awful. And it did piss me off. Mostly, you know, you can lose games of football, and and I'll say this all the time, but when you lose a game of football against your closest rivals and it feels like no one gave a shit, did you know what I mean? But it's like it felt like no one in that side, maybe one or two, but no one in that side really put the same level of effort in that Arsenal did to beat us. That yeah. annoys me. Yeah, I know what you mean. I was, obviously, I was there, and yeah. um, you're right. I, I came away from that. Seb was hurting badly. I mean, he, he was... I think yeah, I, I messaged well, he, you guys... He's of an age. He feels every kick right I know. now. <laughs> I think I messaged you guys and said, like, he's gone through the six stages of grief post-game. Yeah. Post <laughs> he was like... As soon as he... The first thing... When we came out of the ground, the first thing he went, he said, I'm not really upset, Dad. I'm not really upset. Are you not? He went, no, no. No, I'm not upset. And then we got to, this, we got to the train station. He was like, I never want to come to another game again. I really, really don't want to watch more <laughs> again. And he was, he was going through all these different emotions to try to cope with what just happened. <laughs> but for me... I was the same as you. I just felt that feeling of indifference. I, it really, when you look back, right? Yeah. I've been to, I've been to four North London derbies now. Uh, yeah. This was my fourth one. So I've seen us win one 0 when Harry Kane scored. I've yeah. seen uh, the the one all when Aubameyang missed that penalty. I've yeah. obviously seen the three 0 last season. I've seen this one. So this is the first defeat I've seen live. Yeah. Um, and I, I would, I would have, if you'd have asked me before the game especially leading up to it, how you would have felt if they would have beaten us. I would have said I would come away stinging. But I didn't feel that. And probably because I've got that sense of indifference. And honestly, at half-time, like, we was... There's there's a... I've probably mentioned this before, but it's a group of us uh, that I've only only met since since we've sat sat where we sat. Uh, And they're really good good people. And a couple of them listen to the show as well. Uh, but um, that's we a good was... job you call them good people. Yeah, though. no, they are. I'm not just saying that because yeah, they the are stuff so... you say off air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, just, right. No, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm really lucky. Yeah. But we was kind of we was like laughing, not laughing and joking because like uh, we was happy, but laughing mm. and joking because almost like what you said about Twitter, you kind of have yeah. to go into a place where you're like, this is ridiculous, you know. And yeah. you and and honestly, I I I, I feel now with, with Spurs, and and I'm sure you'll give me the opportunity to have my rant and I have been ranting recently about it, but we've been allowed because of Levy and Enoch mm. to go completely and utterly stale. We've gone completely yeah, have, stale. Yeah. And I was saying to the guys, actually, the point that you raised about Chelsea, uh, which is yeah. a, such an important point, you know, this, this, this sense of like, you know, you come along you, when you don't, you don't perform, you're out and we are going to, we are more than happy to take a hit on you. Yeah. And because of, because Levy is the, the opposite of that, the yeah. that 
we've just become so utterly stale. There were, there's players that should not be at that club. No. You know, not, not because they're not good enough, because they've just been allowed to just gradually, gradually go stale. I mean, Doherty's a classic example. Why the hell is he still there? Yeah. Honestly, I saw I saw a Facebook post. Um, I saw, uh, I think, did Matt Doherty get our man of the... Which is ridiculous. I don't know how anyone got man. And someone, yeah. and someone said um, he was definitely one of the better players. What, what, like, another opinion, it's my opinion. You know, his yeah. opinion, my opinion. But I don't know what you thought. But genuinely, what, what game was you watching, mate? Like, yeah. he was awful. Like, he... he it frustrates the hell out of me that we were so spoiled with the likes of Walker and Rose, and I'll always go back to them, two amazingly dynamic wing-backs. And then you've got Matt Doherty, who gets past the ball, and he just... There's, there's no confidence in the guy. No. He gets it, traps it, and then, oh, let's just make a little safe pass back. There we go. What, what, was, what was the point of you being there, mate? What is the actual yeah. point of you being there? And then Sessegnon, and I don't want to attack the guy because I know he's still quite young, but honestly, it was embarrassing. Did, did you watch see that bit when he when, when, he, when he comes to chest the ball and it yeah. goes out for throw? And I mean, like, mate, we paid 25 million for you. I, I think I could have chested the ball better than that. What's wrong with them? <laughs> what is wrong with them? It's, uh, it is a weird thing. It, it's just... It's like you could take certain players out of that and put them in different teams, and they'd look great. And you'd look at it and go, "That's not the same guy," you know. That's like a different player, and also different coaches. Like sometimes a, a coach changes, and a player who's looked abstract rubbish all of a sudden is coached in a different way, or or is playing in a role that they feel more comfortable and they feel more confident, and he look a better player. But right now. With Conte sticking to his system, this is my system. This is how I play. You look at it and you sort of go, "You're you're trying to mould a squad to play the way you want to play." And if we're all going to be blunt about it, the players are either not good enough to play the way you want to play against these teams, or this system doesn't work. <laughs> because yeah, it's bizarre. Um, I mean, the thing is, look, there's no, there's no getting away from the fact that uh, Conte and Levy are two very egotistical people. They're, they're where they are yeah. because of their ego, you know. Yeah. And and there is a slight, there is a part of me, and, and again, just me maybe putting two and two together, making six of Conte going, here I am, I've got the pedigree, but and, and I'm going to come along with how I how I play, but here you are. In front of you guys is what all I can do because of of, of, of the people above me, yeah. and and he and he, allude, he alluded to, he must have seen it. He alluded to the fact that it's always him that has to come out to the press yeah. and, and answer questions, and and and, and this this is, this is the problem, right? Sorry, Sam, I've got my I'm going to go on a bit, a little bit of a run. I do apologise, yeah, and I know it's something we've been speaking about for the last few weeks, but the more I think about it, the more I think about it, the more I realise that. For example, the stadium, yeah. So when that stadium was built, I can remember sitting there with my, you know, my season ticket, my first game. The the um, the all the fireworks went off before the game. Fantastic game. We beat Palace two 0 And I'm like, wow, look, look what the, look what Levy, look what Enoch have given us as a club. Look, look what that, look what they've given me as a Spurs fan. It's in, yeah. it's insane, right? But the more I, the more I, the more I come to this realization, the more I realise that it it's not for me. This this stadium was built because um, it's the better the better the stadium, the more they can attract. For, for example, boxing gigs like you know Lady Gaga, all the, all the and you got Joshua. Yeah. It's because it's the mate. So 
that stadium is there for Enoch to make as much money as they can. We just we're just sitting there going, oh yeah, fantastic stadium. It was never there was ne- it was never built for us. It was never built for us Spurs fans. You know, it wasn't. It just wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and but this is the thing, they can t- they because they have built that they can say. Uh, to, so if anyone says that wasn't built for the stadium, yes, it was. Look, you know, we built. With, so they're, they're they're creating all these things, so they they've got answers for it. But the the reality of it is that it, it was it's not for us. It's the, we aren't. They're not interested in us as fans. They're absolutely not interested. They're, they're just not. You know. And then so you, so you look at um, Conte. Yeah. And, and you look at him at Spurs, and 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 Le- Levy could turn around and go, yeah, look, I'm, I've given you this money for this player, I've given you this money for this player, so they can they can, if anyone questions it, they can say, yeah, look, we are, you know, we are we, we are trying to invest in the squad, but for them it's just a tick box ex- tick box exercise tick tick box exercise for them to show on paper, or they can they can twist an opinion to or twist a uh, a view to make it look like it they do care about us, but. But I talked about the the, um, the when you went to see when it's the stadium tour. All these things they all point to the fact that the cold hard reality is that we're we're not the we're not the priority. Spurs fans aren't the priority. We're we're just not, no. you know. And it's always been the case with them. And I know I'll go back to it. And I know I mentioned it before. But the the, the Palace game when we play Palace, and and you and you looked at. You know the, the the memorial of all the players that passed away, the fans. That's a club that care about their fans. That they that their fans are part of the family, and we're just not. We're just mugs. We are absolute mugs as Spurs fans. We completely are. until Levy piss off out of the club. We are just we are just we are complete and utter mugs. All of us, all our Spurs fans, are walking mugs. We really are. We're walking mugs. We are. It's, it's a it's a funny image. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's Jesus. It's difficult to argue any point, really. I mean, it's it's not a case of arguing either. It's just a case of kind of trying to trying to balance it. Um, you're the way you feel right now. I think is the way a lot of people feel. Um, I think it's the way a lot of people have felt for a while as well. Um, and kind of the number of people feeling this way. Uh, slowly increasing as this sort of time goes on. I, I try, um, me and you, uh, to to our credit, I try on a regular basis to go. This is how we feel, you know. If we're pissed about something, and and this is, you know, and here's the counter to it. Even even if I'm even if I don't agree with it, <laughs> here's the kind of yeah. the the counter to it. Now. The club has to publish financial statements, as we know. The club has to publish his figures and stuff like that. And I'm glad you mentioned this, Sam, because I was gonna, I was gonna mention this. <clears throat> um, and just circling back to the point you you're talking about the stadium. This is a really, um, I don't know whether it's a hot topic of debate or whether it's just a kind of a feeling we all have. What what you said about you know the stadium wasn't built for us fans and stuff like that and and it feels like if we're talking about us fans what we're talking about is the football side aren't we we're talking about the football club Spurs the football fans, team on Tottenham the pitch fans, Tottenham fans yeah yeah um and it kind of feels like you know White Hart Lane was our home um our home was taken from us and we've been given this new home but it feels like we're now renting not owning it does that make sense yeah you know completely. it feels like we're we're just a tenant there yeah um. The the kind of, and again, I'm I'm doing this for balance, not to 
start an argument or anything like that. We can argue you with No, no. <laughs> I, I don't feel there's anything for me to argue. What, what, my, cool. what I'm going to do is, you know, a bit devil's advocate, cool, but cool. just kind of like, let's, let's put across the point of view of the stadium is literally called the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which means that any time there's a concert, a boxing match, a fight, a boxing match, <laughs> a fight, <laughs> any time there's an event, any time there's NFL, you will hear the commentator, the global publications, everything promoted it on a regular basis, say the words, do Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What that does is creates brand awareness for Tottenham Hotspur, which is a football club. Without the football side of Tottenham Hotspur, there is no brand, if you, if you like. So there, there's pointless. Like There is no selling Tottenham Hotspur without football. There's no kind of like... It's not like, um, I don't know, Toys R Us started a football team. You know, Toys R Us is a brand on its own and it has a football team. Do you see what I mean by this? It's kind yeah. of... That is the brand. It is unique to that. In a world full of cities and rovers, there is one Hotspur. I think there's another one in Ireland, but we're going to ignore that. Um, <laughs> so, my, I, I guess the point I'm trying to come around to is the way they set the stadium up was that it was going to cost a shitload of money to build. And the way that was going to be funded all along was from events. The NFL deal, um, concerts, all that stuff, that was going to pay for it. Now, take away the pandemic for a moment and the delays in the stadium construction. Just take that away. That that plan is working. That plan is working. So if you look at the financial statements for the club, and they're about to publish this year's in February, I think, in full, you will see that the re- these revenue streams is more than servicing the debt on the stadium. You know, it is paying it off. So if you continue going forward... All of these external events and stuff that everyone at the moment, like I, I put on the Facebook page yesterday about the two NFL games we're going to be hosting. I mean, I just got savaged <laughs> for how dare I post about that, which is fair enough. Everyone's angry, whatever. But these events are paying that debt. So what that means is that all football revenue is going to the football side of the club. And you can track this in the accounts and everyone's sort of like, oh, Enoch are just taking the money out. They're not. They literally have to publish it. So if Enoch withdraw money from the club, it, it has to be in the accounts, and they're not. Now, the flip side of that, of course, is we all want owners who are going to put their hands in their pockets as well. And last summer, they created a fund to do that, which shocked us all <laughs> to our very core. And to this moment, we're still kind of... Did that really happen? Did we really spend that money? You know, where where exactly did, you know... Did this really take place? So it's a really weird situation where, as you said, it feels like everything is tokenism. Everything is kind of, you know, look, we did put money in. Look, we did build this stadium. Look, we did do this. Look, we don't take any money out. Now, all of that is true. It is they're not taking money out. The stadium is called the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It is being funded by events that all the money from the football side of it is going into the football side. There is no wage ceiling at the club now. You know, if if Harry Kane turns around and says, all right, I'll sign a deal half a million a week, we can do it. You know, (laughs) there is no 
There is no kind of, we are a financial juggernaut for income, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. But it, this circles back to what the example I gave with Chelsea and the fact that this new owner at Chelsea seems to want to continue that, which is they've spent over half a billion since the new guy came in. That's insane, isn't it? Uh, just, yeah. Like their squad is massive now, so the like I don't get it. But anyway, <laughs> like, I, like I can't. Um, and so it is a if it is not a case of is you know we have the money, so it's not that case. so it is ambition. It is the individuals running the show that are now holding us back. So this week the financial. Uh, press, etc. Every year, you will see published the top ten or twenty football clubs in the world for revenue. Now, what this is, if you think about the financial fair play rules, the FFP rules, this plays a massive, massive part in this because you can only spend X amount of your revenue. So, when Tottenham, when Daniel Levy and that took over, and they talked about we need to increase our commercial, we need to build a bigger stadium, all this. It was because they knew, under FFP rules, you need to generate a massive amount of income to be able to afford the big wages, the big transfers, etc. That was the dream we were all sold on, wasn't it? Yeah. New stadium comes, and then boom, here we go, we'll drop $60 on players, we'll pay the big wages, we are going to compete. And then the stadium was delayed and we all kind of went, okay, the delay's, you know, thrown us financially. The pandemic's happened. We've all gone, okay, the pandemic's happened. It's thrown us financially. So last year, of all the football clubs in the world, the number one club for revenue, and by the way, this is corrupt as hell, Manchester City, 731 million euros a year. I want to point out... (laughs) that the owners of Manchester City, who of course have the naming rights of the stadium and various things like that, make up about 40% of that. That shouldn't be allowed, Mm. but it is. Mm. So whatever. Then you got Real Madrid, 713 million euros. Liverpool at 700 million euros. Manchester United at 688 million euros. PSG, who have over 50% of their owners making this up, 654 million Bayern Munich, Barcelona, massive, massive clubs. And then in uh, eighth place, we have Chelsea at 568 million. Okay? That is a hell of a whack. But then in ninth, we have Tottenham Hotspur at 523 million euros revenue. Tenth place is Arsenal, 433. So that's, that's the gap. So between ninth... Down to 10th, you're talking about a 100 million euro gap. Keep in mind, this was the last financial year as well when we weren't in the Champions League. So the the estimate is that we are seeing nearly £2 million, so in euros, that's a little bit higher, per home game in revenue. Mm-hmm. Now, when the stadium first opened, they estimated it was about a million pound per home game from various things. They're now saying it's near two million per home game. So every time Tottenham play at home, that's two million. Every time there's a concert, every time there's a, and all that money 
is the revenue streams for the club. It is Tottenham Hotspur PLC. And we as fans see this, we look at that, and we look at the clubs surrounding us on that. So Chelsea are just slightly ahead of us in revenue, and they've just dropped near half a billion, so over £500 million in transfers since the summer. So that's two windows. That is more than we have spent in the last ten windows combined. And they've done it in the last two. And they've done it because an owner's come in and has done it on the basis of when he bought the club from Roman Abramovich, apparently one of the conditions and stipulations in that was whoever comes in must show me they have the financial capital to do what I did. I won't sell the club unless I see the new owner is willing to come in and put the money in themselves. Now, I think Chelsea are spending erratically, stupidly. I think they're a little bit directionless. Will that come back to bite me in the ass? Probably. They'll probably put together a hell of a squad if they give Potter time to do it. But the fact is, there is no one at Chelsea Football Club can be under any illusions that they are not ambitious and trying to win things. Yeah. With us, with our revenue stream near enough the same as Chelsea, we are not doing that. And this is where this is where it comes to Levy and Enoch and the fans. This this is where I'm fully on board because I can point to loads of situations and I can point to lots of things that they've done well. I can point to lots and lots of things that you look at and you go, okay, this is financially. You know, people say, oh, they're taking money out of the club. They're not. You know, I can argue all of those points. Why I'm arguing on their behalf, I don't know. This is more devil's advocate than ever wanting to defend them. Mm. But what the realisation is from my point of view is what they have done is they have built a sellable asset. Right now, we are an income-generating juggernaut of a football club, but we are not a football team. And... I think I can speak for every fan. I think I can speak for you. I do not ever in my life chant, we've got a great balance sheet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to chant, he's one of our own. I want Harry Kane to be at this club for his entire career. I am now resigned to the fact that's not going to happen. Um, he wanted to leave a couple of seasons ago and it angered me the way he did it. Um, his desire to leave at that point probably didn't piss me off. His the way he went about it annoyed me. The reality is now, I don't see how we can stop him. Yeah, I don't. And I don't. Him. And I don't see why we should. And I think the thing is, if he's clever this time and just keeps his head down and just plays out the season, I don't think there's a Tottenham fan who's going to begrudge him a move wherever he goes. Okay. Not wherever he goes. If he joins Arsenal, then no, he's dead to me. But I don't see that happening. I I just can't. I just can't picture him signing a new deal now. Nobody can. And this is where I feel like our season is in a massive, massive problem because the other person no one can see signing a new deal right now is Conte. So if you're a player in this squad and you've been signed by this manager. Or you're a player in this squad who's seen managers come and go from this club. 
you're looking at this now going, oh, here we go again. You know, he, he ain't staying. What's the point? Why am I going to run through walls for this guy? Why am I going to do this extra fitness? Why am I going to do that? I might as well just wait for the next guy and try and impress him. It's a real problem. We are stuck in limbo. And it also goes a full circle because if you're in a club and you're going to invest in transfers, do you sign the players this guy wants when he's not committed? You know, what What happens? You know, Conti says, I want this guy and this guy. And they're 29, 30-year-old players. They're grizzled veterans who under Conte probably will give him a good couple of seasons. But under a different manager, another manager coming in might look at them and go, no, they don't fit my system. They're past it. Sell them. And you as a club have just invested X amount of money in them. Mm. So it is a catch-22. Conte's screaming for the board to back him. But I do understand why you would be hesitant to drop serious money on players when you've got a guy who, let's face it, is just flirting with leaving non-stop and has been for a while. I, I, we're in a mess, and I just don't understand how how it's been allowed to get to this. Like, you know, when Campbell screwed us over and there was this vow within a club, we will never allow a player to do that to us again. Do you know what I mean? It was like, we will never allow that situation to happen. If we get to a point where a player's on the fence and they've only got X amount of time left on our contract, we're just going to sell them. We're not going to let this happen to us again. And yet here we are in this situation with a manager who has got months left on his deal. Um, just yesterday gave an interview about, and don't get me wrong, I want to talk about the human aspect just for a moment. He talked about the unbelievable loss he's felt recently. You know, three of his closest friends in football and in life have died in the last six months. I've got no doubt at all this has had a massive impact on him and in turn the whole squad, probably. And he talked about how his family are still in Italy and he's living in a hotel. But all of these things he's saying publicly scream, I'm done, I, I don't want to be here. And, you know, what message does that send to the squad? You've got players there who literally signed for Tottenham because of Antonio Conte. You've got, you know, and openly say it, Kulisevsky, Bentoncourt, both of them, this guy's the reason I'm here. So how are they feeling right now? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I ranted. Yeah, you, you, you did it in a more calm, assured, measured, <laughs> made more, making more sense kind of way. So I don't appreciate yeah. that. No, I, I, I just don't. I just don't know what to say with it, really, because <clears throat> I, it feels like you can talk around in circles and nothing ever changes. Yeah, and and what is what is the common denominator in that, Sam? Yeah, and, that, and that's it, and that is the thing that never changes. No, we've and, seen and, players come and go, we've seen managers come and go, but we keep hitting the same wall every time. And, th- and this is the thing, and this is a thing as well. I'd, I'd like to suggest as well. And and it was it was it was I kind of lost my train of thought slightly when I was when I was talking earlier about how uh, Enoch kind of or Levy Enoch whichever they're both one and the same. How they want to want to show that they're on the face of it they can point to what where where they're um, they're showing that. You know, if you complain, look, we've 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 brought Mourinho in. Look, we've we've, we've yeah. brought Conte in. You know what are you complaining about? Yeah. You know, but the, the problem is they they brought those players in. They brought sorry, they brought those managers in. But I would, I know what you said about Conte losing close friends, right? And I'm I'm yeah. not, you know, I don't know the guy. I don't know what's going on. But I I'm 
fairly certain that if if he didn't have the owners that he has at the club, yeah. we wouldn't be hearing about him and he and the three three friends that he's close friends that he has. The frustration, Possibly. the frustration, the frustration, the frustration is is with the owners, right? And look, you've you've only got to look at. Um, the, the Trossard deal, right? So he's going to Arsenal now, isn't he? They've signed him yeah. for 27 million. I don't know how much truth is in it, but I did see a tweet and it seemed like it was from a reliable source that Levy put a bit of 11 million in for him. 12. 12 million. There we go. There yeah. we go. So put a bit of 12 million in. So yeah. typical Levy, trying to get a player on the cheap. Now, I appreciate that, that we've got a, a good amount of attacking players. We've got Richarlison's come back to fitness. We've got Gullisovsky who's come back to fitness. We've got a good a good lot up there. But I mean, I'd, t- I'd have taken Trossard to be honest with you. Last yeah. last six months of his deal, put a twenty five million pound bid in. The guy might might give us the lift that we need, give us creativity we need. Yeah. So I think that yeah. would have been a really good signing. But it's typical Levy where he tries to get it on the cheap. Another cup comes in. There you go. There's another player that's gone. You know. And it, and and it, and it's just sums it sums it up with him. And, and this is the thing. And I, and I appreciate what you're saying about the fact that they've 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 built this juggernaut so they've got the money so you can invest right and don't get me wrong they'll drop big money on players like they did they dropped 60 million with Charleston. they dropped uh, 60 million on, on Dombele so they will they will pay the amount they will, will buy big players but the problem for me is that and, and it's what I mentioned earlier about us going stale and it really is I can't help but focus on the point you made about with Chelsea right is, yeah. is the fact that because Levy cannot bear to lose any money on any players. That's why we've got Undombele out on loan and we've got players like like uh, Doherty still in the squad. You know, we've got, we've got players that should not be at the club because Levy cannot bear to lose any money on these players. He cannot cope with it. And that's because he is not thinking football. He's thinking investment. He's thinking money. That's all he's yeah. thinking. He's not thinking of thinking of it from the, the point of view of the players on the pitch. He just, he doesn't get it. He's never got it. Maybe just doesn't care. Maybe he does get it. He just doesn't care. But unfortunately, the way he's gone about things in the in the time he's been here is the reason why we have just flirted with success because we've 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 got the the the, the, the things in place and he put money in, but we've never crossed the finish line because of them. It's because of them and yeah. because of the way he deals with things. It, it, it is Sam. It is, and I, I don't see. I, I, I'm, I firmly put the blame at the door of Enoch, right, of, of where we are at the moment. And But I saw an article that actually we posted on Spurs News. You you, you posted it a few days ago. I think it was from a, a journalist. from Was it from the Guardian of the Independent after the Arsenal game? David Heitner, yeah. Yeah. The Guardian. Yeah, Guardian, yeah. And, and, he, and he talks about how um, with Conte... Uh, and look... I, I'll put I'll put an, an, a level of blame to, to him, but look, Levy took him on, so Levy like Levy hired him, yeah. But we've yeah. always got this sense, right? When we, when we're in the stadium, we chant Conte's name all the time, right? All yeah. constantly, we're we're chanting his name, but it does feel like, and it was this was alluded to in the article, it does feel like Conte's kind of walked in. Oh, I come on. I try to help you, poor guys out. I try to help you out. It's below me. This job's below me, but I'll, I'll give it a go for you. You know, yeah. you know. At the, it's almost like doing a bit of pro bono work. You know, oh bless them. Let's see if they can help them out for a little while. I don't really want to be here. This isn't. You know, I'm this. I'm. I'm a coach that should be at the 
Barcelonas and the Real Madrids of this world, but I'll come along and help you guys out. And it and it just it's this feeling all the time of Levy of Levy kind of just helping us out, and we're chanting his name, and you wonder whether he looks over the south stand. Oh bless them, bless them, bless their little cottons. Look, you know they're I'm here and they're they're chanting my name and I'm trying my best for them. But there's that's it. There's nothing more than that. And then you look at look at Arteta at Arsenal, you look at Eddie Howe at Newcastle, these are coaches that are invested in the team. In the, in, he's, he, yeah. he might go mad when we score a last-minute winner. I get that, right? Because as like any coach, he's going to be happy that his team... But he hasn't got that investment like those 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 managers have. And and the fact he's not signed a contract, the fact he's letting this run to the end, is evidence of that. You know, it's, yeah. it's this evidence of, look, you know, let's see how we go, but I, I can get out at the end of the season and... and you know, I'll go. I'll go to maybe, hopefully, Real Madrid will come calling for me, or Bayern Munich, or one of those giants. You know, yeah. oh, it's always got that feeling with him. Yeah, well, that's and and, and, the, and the reality sorry, of hiring a, an elite coach. Uh, and I, and I say, I do elite coaching uh, air brackets here, but you you instill this person who arrives, and it is short term. So you you appoint Eddie Howe in Newcastle, you appoint Graham Potter at Chelsea. The boards of those clubs have got massive sums of money, but what they are trying to say, and whether they stick to this or not, we'll have time will tell. But they are trying to say is, and we're going to back you. You build your team, you get them playing football because we trust you. We trust that you will get us playing a good brand of football. The fans will be engaged. We'll all be in it together, and you will build something. Uh, Potter did it at Brighton. Uh, how did it at Bournemouth? He's now getting his chance at Newcastle and has and is taking it. And the thing that's most impressive with Newcastle is they've not done the the batshit crazy transfers everyone predicted. But what they've done is they've bought every player he's asked for. No fucking about. Yep. You know this is going to cost twenty five million, and we're probably paying over the odds because everyone knows we got money, but we're just going to get it done for you. And look at the results. Chelsea are going signings crazy, and whether that works out or not, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But with a manager like Conte, and Pep Guardiola's the same, right? A lot of people have this thing about Pep building, oh, Pep does this, Pep does that. Pep Guardiola arrived at Man City, and they were shite. And then Pep Guardiola said, to play my way, I need a keeper who can do this, I need fullbacks who can do this, and I need this. And Man City went and bought him the best available for that. And guess what? They went and won everything. You now look at Tottenham and Conte. Conte's come in and gone, this is how I play. And I need this. And we've gone, how about this? How, and he's gone, how about Emerson Royal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, how about this? No, again, that's still not good enough. Okay, well, how about this? This kid's good. Well, this kid's going to be good in about five years' time, but if you want me to win now, I need someone who's good now. And we've gone, hmm, we got your Perisic. And he's gone, yeah, yeah, yeah great, thanks, but that's one guy, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yep. And it is difficult because, like, for me, looking at it, I look at it and I think, well, Jesus, if you're that good at a coach, you've got a squad of players there with some unbelievable talent. If you were that good, you should be able to get a tune out of this squad. That's just me. I mean, I don't know enough about it to be able to tell you in any certainty, but that's just how I feel. But again, this is a coach like Guardiola and like others who go to places and say, this is how I play. This is my system. This is how we train. And I know this works because I've won everywhere I've been. With Conte... 
when he is given the tools he requests, he wins stuff. And that's the truth. But when he doesn't, his record is abysmal. I think there's two clubs, uh, Atalanta and one over in Italy, he gets fired from because they were crap. Because he was working with no budget, he was working without the ability to sign players. Tottenham have the financial power to do what Conte needs. So when Conte signed on, he was probably given assurances and given, you know, Paratici's been appointed. He probably felt, oh, Tottenham are going to turn the corner. You know, they've got a squad that needs rebuilding, a squad that needs remoulding. But I've got Sonny, I've got Kane, I've got all these players. And, I mean, this is another factor as well, the human factor. No one could have predicted Sonny's form this season. It's been dreadful, isn't it? No one could have predicted what's happened with Sonny and the drop-off from last year winning the Golden Boot. I, I, I just, like, I, I look at it and I'm like, I am genuinely terrified this is it for Sonny. And, and, and I say that because I remember watching Fernando Torres at Liverpool and thinking, this guy's unplayable. This guy is on another level. He's phenomenal. He's finishing. His pace, his power. And then I watched that guy go to a Euros, I think, for Spain and couldn't hit a barn door. But mm. when I mean couldn't hit a barn door, I mean like was, you know, would take a shot and he'd go out for a throw in. And it was like, this has got to be a different bloke. Surely he's got a twin. And he lost it. That was it. He never really recovered. He got a few goals for Chelsea, but nothing. He was never the same player. And I look at this, and as the season's gone on, you know, form happens, you dip in and out, but this is weird now. Like, even his movement's gone. Yeah, Yesterday, and he can't, can't control the ball, can he? And no. he's, he's passing, he's really off. And... He's snatching. It's like, I, I'm, you know, the only time this season he's looked like himself was when he came off the bench and scored a hat-trick. And I look at it and I go, he has to be sat down. And not just like because in your head you're thinking, oh, maybe you'll come off the bench again, but he just has to be put on the bench. Like, Sonny, your form's not good enough. You are not good enough to make it in this team. And again, and this, this kind of situation is circular because if you're a player at Tottenham and you're working day in, day out, and you're working your nuts off and you're in training, you're doing everything you can. I think Brian Gill, uh, I know Lucas Moore has been injured, I know Richarlison's been injured. But Sonny just keeps getting picked no matter what. Mm. It's like, well, why am I breaking my neck? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting in this extra effort? Why am I... You know, Brian Gill just constantly keeps getting told he's too small. This kid's hitting the gym. He's increased his calorie diet. You know, there's a brilliant interview in Spanish, which anyone can read because it's been translated in English, where he talks so much about the physicality in England. I have to bulk up, and I know that, but it's so difficult because I want to keep my pace. And he talks about how... He's working so ridiculously hard to put on weight but not lose the player he is, which is not an easy thing. He's a young kid, <laughs> but he's trying. He's doing everything he can. And if you're sat there and you're looking at it and you're going, so he's just undroppable then. So, like, I can be the best player in the world sat here, but he's undroppable. And don't get me wrong, the, f the philosophy and the thinking obviously is at some point something's going to go in off Sonny's ass and he's going to click. But it's not, because we watched him score a couple of weeks ago and we all went, oh, the relief. Yes, Sonny scored. This is going to be, come on. And in the next game, he's non-existent. He's a passenger. It's like starting with 10 men. And I love the guy. I love him so much. He's like the happiest man on the planet. But right now he isn't. 
something needs to change. Um, but yeah, uh, I said months ago, <laughs> I'm, I'm interrupting myself here, I would stop doing this and we would do the fan comments at the start of the show. <laughs> we are now 40 odd minutes in <laughs> and I've suddenly realised I've not done them. So uh, Matt, we're going to go to the fan stuff. Now it's time for your comments from our social media. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Matt, uh, Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, let's go Instagram first. Okay, Instagram, my good friends. We open with... Oh, okay, here we go. This will cheer us all up. Now it's time for a comment from Island Brother. See, I feel better already. He's back. I'm, I might just have to play this, like, all the time. <laughs> it's like our background or something. <laughs> uh, Island Brother says, Hey guys, Sam, accept my condolences. Spurs have ruined many a birthday for me. Hope you find a way to salvage it before it's stroke of midnight. To Matt, welcome back. You were missed. Thank you. To Stefan, congratulations on the birth of your daughter. God heard your prayers and sent you a blessing of an angel for you to love and protect. Dan, keep lifting, brother. <laughs> Laura, keep up the good work. No question, really, I can properly articulate concerning Spurs, so I decided just to express my appreciation for all the work you guys do to bring us this wonderful podcast week in, week out. Best way to get geared up for the weekend fixtures and being the, la- being the last pod of the week, emotions have settled, and I appreciate the level-headed points. I don't know how level-headed we've been today. Uh, wishing you all the best. Uh, so thank you, Iron Brother. So that wasn't a question to kick us off. That was just a bit of praise. Oh, that was nice. Thank you. Maybe I'll maybe I'll create a new segment like Praise Hour or something. <laughs> so everyone has to be really nice to us. Um, you know, last week I said I created a an intro thing for Rock Me Amadeus, and the git hasn't sent a question in since I've done it. Yeah, he has now. Hey. It's time. For a question from Rock Me Amadeus. So, I mean, it's a pretty obvious thing I was going to do, but <laughs> still, it made me laugh. Um, this week I would ask, has Juventus scandal handcuffed Paratici involved in transfer window in any way? Uh, no. There you go. That's a really simple answer to that question. Um, the Juventus scandal and everything that's going on in Italy... Uh, Paratici is named in a lot of different things, but the way the Italian legal system works and the way this this whole investigation, he, his business is usual. He's there's no part of him that's got to be back there or anything at this time. <laughs> so maybe in the future he'll be dragged there for questions, but at the moment, no impact at all. So there you go. That was simple. I like it when it's simple. <laughs> um, I think, just double checking because I think Laura sent something this morning. Um, let me have a very quick look. Oh, Rock Me Amadeus made the point of how the bloody hell can Arsenal afford £27 million for Trossard and we can't. Um, it's not about affording it. It's about the chairman yeah. It's not about a foreign it, it's about whether you value it value him at that. Um with six months left on his deal, 
I think they've overpaid slightly, but they've overpaid because they've identified the need. They needed the sign a player. They had two targets in mind. The first one bumped off to Chelsea, so they moved on to their backup and they got him. It's a clear transfer policy and it works. It's clearly working for them. They're top of the league. I was say, can we need a title? <laughs> can we need a trophy? Exactly. Having that... Yeah, anyway, moving on. So we're over to Facebook and we kick off with someone else who's got their own theme. Here is a question from Ryan Miller. You all know what time it is. It's Miller time. Ryan Miller says, following last week's podcast, just want to say a massive thank you to you guys. I've listened to the podcast for over three years now and I love it. What goalkeeper would you pick to replace Hugo? I think Pickford would be a pretty decent replacement. Um, the replacing Hugo topic's pretty high up on everyone's agenda at the moment. I think it's pretty abundantly clear it has to happen this summer. Um, for many, they prefer it to happen today. <laughs> but <laughs> We should have it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, the guy's been incredible for us. He gave, gave his best years of club football for us. I, I feel like a dick having a go at him, to be honest. But... Oh, no, you're right. And look, you're right. He's... He... I said to Seb in the car, taking him to school this morning, that uh, he, Seb, he's been the only goalkeeper Seb's known because he's been at the club yeah, longer yeah, than Seb's yeah. been alive, you know. So yeah. he's been at the club for a long, long time. <laughs> and and even even yesterday, um, he pulled off a couple of sun, yeah, stunning did. saves. Yeah. But then he has the rash, the rashness that, mm. uh, and so yeah, I, it's always been his style. I mean. I, as a shot stopper, I think he's probably one of the best top two in the still, world, still, still good, even, yeah. but. Distribution-wise, <laughs> you know that kind of that aspect of it yeah, and, and yeah, decision making. Let's just move on. Uh, so, yeah. if you're picking a new goalkeeper to come in, who would you pick? Yeah, I, I, I know it seems obvious, and I know you said but Pickford. I think Pickford for me is a good choice because he's in he's a, he's in the peak years for yeah. goalkeeper. He's English as well, which is good yeah. because uh, you know Over having England's number yeah. one at the club. It's, I remember when we had Paul Robinson at the club. It's yeah. fantastic having England's, England's number, one. number one. There you yeah. go. So it's it's my choice, I think. Yeah, that's probably who I'd pick. Um, Stefan Cruz Alvarez. Step in, Stefan says, I have so many questions. Many, I'm sure, will be answered by the time you get to the fan questions. <laughs> Smart ass. So my question is, will the board back Conte the rest of this month? Do you think the answer will determine if he stays or leaves? Which would upset you more? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um See, scenario A for me, genuinely, is that the board pull off some sort of monstrous, ambitious coup of deals in the next week. And I'm talking about uh, Gavardial for like 80 million, you know, coming in in our central defence. I'm talking... A, a forward of great quality and a playmaker. I'm talking the sort of deals that all of us would just sit down and go, nah, <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. The sort of deals that would make the whole world go, holy shit, Tottenham mean business. The odds of that happening, I feel, are the same as me, you know, sprouting a vagina and becoming Samantha tomorrow automatically. It just isn't going to happen. The board have just never shown any any inkling at all that they'll do that. And me and you have done this podcast for a while. How many times do you think me and you have said, oh, this window's key? Yeah. And this window's important. 
Because if you want Harry Kane to sign a new deal, if you want Antonio Conte to remain the manager of the club and the profile of the club to remain high, if you want us to have a chance of Champions League football, we have to sign players in this window. It just has to happen. And what is more frustrating for me as a fan, and I'm sure for you and everyone else, is last January we signed a couple of players who did make the difference. They are absolutely the reason that we are playing Wednesday nights, you know, as the song goes. They are 100% the reason we got top four. I don't think anyone can doubt that. Anyone who doubts it, we're not a better team with Benton Core in it. Just watch the first half yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> and guy, Kulu, both of them, both of them. Brilliant, yeah. excellent, both fit, both uh, just improved our first team immeasurably. Now, that means that if you are the owners of this club, the board, you have sat there and gone, ah, so buy good players, get better results. Interesting. It's like you could write this on fucking crayon it in the so sky, simple, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like you, I don't know how else. Like here's here's the example of it working: buy the right players for the right money, boom, results. Ha <laughs> ha! Weird. And yet, even with that example, right, right, fresh in your mind, literally one year ago. Here's the example of how this works: we are still what, 10 days out from the closing of this window, 11 days, whatever it is, and the club sat on their ass going, oh. Because, Sam, because <laughs> Levy wants to get his bargains, doesn't he? Because he's a funder. He wants to raid the bargain bin and get his bargains. Look, Kulusevsky and Bentancur, it's proved that they are amazing players. He put, he, he put he underpaid for them, didn't he? You know, when you look they, at him now. They came in at the end of the window as well. So I will say... There are a lot of people who I trust because they are well-connected who are saying, watch Tottenham in the final days of the window. There are a lot of people who genuinely feel that we are prepped and ready to... There's work happening that all of a sudden is going to snowball. Personally, I've heard it all before. (laughs) And I don't know how many players... I could name, I could do probably two full teams of players that we have been, oh, we nearly signed. Yeah. Oh, you know, and then you hear about it, like, years like Eden Hazard, oh, I nearly signed for Tottenham, actually. I was, like, right there, ready to sign for them, and then this happened, and, oh, you know, they never really... Jesus, you know, these are players that, if you've got them interested in joining the club, you make it happen. And what's, and like, what's, the, and what's the common denominator every time? Yeah, I know. Anyway, so, uh, Stefan, I don't know if I actually answered you. Um, do I think they're going to back him? Sadly, no. I think this is yet another failed experiment of Tottenham Hotspur. Like, look at us, we're a big club, but we're gonna, not going to act like it. Mm-hmm. Gary Ball says, with the board we have who don't want to invest, is, is Conte still the right man for Spurs? Sadly, I'm going to have to say no to that. If you are... If we accept our owners or who they are and how they are, no, um, we're he's not the right guy. No, he's um, did you say that guy's name? Is he called Gary Ball? Did you say Gary Ball? Yeah, I thought it was Gary Baldy. They were Gary Ball. No, 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 double L, right? Yeah, um, Conte, Conte is uh, see, I, I, I. I feel like I'm. Well, I've kind of put a little bit of blame on him where I can't predict him is. 
But I think put him in a, in any club where he gets backed, then yeah. there's no problem with him. I mean, I, I know you gave a couple of examples. Another good one would be, uh, I know obviously they're struggling a bit this season, but they've still done well over the last few years. Liverpool with with uh, with Klopp. Yeah. You know, Klopp identified where he needed a keeper, getting Allison, needed a centre back, getting Van Dijk. You know, pay over the odds, paying over the odds, but yeah. getting the success. Whereas Levy will raid the raid the the the, the, the bargain bin, yeah. maybe get a cracker out of there, maybe find like a a a, 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 a rare signed Pink Floyd album in that bargain bin that's been yeah. put in there by mistake, and he's only paid a couple of quid for it. But most of the time, pick out a. Uh, I'm trying to think of a really dreadful CD. An old Robbie Williams album. There we go. That's what it made me You you just mentioned that about Liverpool. Someone pointed something out to me the other day. And it's something in amongst all of when it happened that I never really thought about it. And now in the cold light of day, I'm like, holy shit, you're right. When Liverpool spent best part of £80 on Virgil van Dijk, who was the best central defender in the Premier League at that time, would you say? Uh, who was the best? What sorry, the best central defender in the Premier League at that time? Uh, when and they signed... stats stats back this up, by the way. Go on, go on. Who who was it? Toby Alderweireld. Right. Okay. When they signed him, Toby was in contract talks with Tottenham, and all of a sudden the contract talks broke down because the agent to Toby went, "Wait a minute, <laughs> Virgil Van Dijk's now earning this, and our player's better than him." So we want more money. And the club went, fuck you. you got two years left on your deal. No. We're going to let you go stale because what, what you like doing. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying at any point the club should have just bent over and take you. You know, you had a deal done. They they walked away from it literally at the point of signing. I get there's going to be pissed off anger involved. And all that. I get that. And all, all of that that goes with it. And I don't necessarily think that Toby's level dropped dramatically because of that. I don't think it did. However, what it did do is it sent uncertainty. Like right now with Conte, it sent uncertainty around the players who were like, oh, where are you staying? What are you doing? And it created that kind of, oh, here we go. It's Tottenham, isn't it? We, we don't build. Mm. We, you know, we set our best players. And you had that release clause, and there was constant, constant speculation. It was constant. Every window, or oh, Toby's leaving. Toby's gone this window. And it just kept dragging and dragging and dragging. It didn't happen. But that situation could have just been dumped, gone. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're right. You are the best defender in the league. And that means Tottenham didn't need to spend 80 million quid. We had him. Mm. And this, this is the kind of mentality. And as this person pointed out to me, it's like, the mentality was like with Harry Kane, for example, to replace Harry Kane, you need to spend 150 to 200 million in this market. And even then, you are probably not going to replace him because no one's going to play for the club like he does because of his passion for the club. It just won't. Even if you sign a player just as good, it won't be the same. That means we've had this asset this whole time and. Yeah, anyway, we kind of squandered it, and I'm just going to go around in circles and hit my head against a wall, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> Michael Jasperanis says, should Conte hire a hypnotist to convince the team at the start of every game they've just been subbed on at halftime? Uh, he did that, and we started yesterday and yep. went 2-0 up. Unfortunately, 
They all then woke up and clucked and thought they were chickens, and we lost four two. They, they got they got a hard time thinking they'd finished the game. Like, yeah, second, yeah, that and that was it. it. And that was a problem. No one showed up for the second half. <laughs> Uh, Lewis James says, does Conte need to accept zonal marking doesn't work? Change from a 3 to a 4 at the back and be more attacking from the start. It's better to lose 3-2 than a team look gormless and lose 2-0. Well, we lost 4-2 last night. You okay with that? <laughs> no? <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Lewis, and I think tactics and I think positioning and everything like that is such a... All of us are experts, and I'm not. And this isn't me attacking you. I'm the same. I I get really aggravated. Why we're not playing three in midfield when we are constantly overrunning midfield by teams is like it hurts my brain. Mm. I'm like I can't work it out. Yeah. However, it, I don't think I think we all can look at it differently. And he looks at it one way, and he's the guy with the CV. I mean, don't get me wrong, my football manager CV is pretty impressive. You know, championship manager in game, mate. I'm, I'm the dad, but with this, I don't know. <laughs> uh, finally, Mark Ivy says, the time for change at the top is long over, overdue. Oh, Please yes. give your thoughts. Mark, this 40 minutes of this <laughs> podcast is basically us giving those thoughts. So I apologize for not reading your comment out sooner. Um, and here's just a couple of things. To wrap up, um, I saw this tweet. A Conte team conceding almost two goals a game all season is incredible. It kills everything he's trying to do at Spurs. Without that base, his plan doesn't work. His tactics do not work. Tottenham Hotspur on goals conceded are bottom of the table right now. Wow. We are rock bottom on goals conceded. And like we talk about, oh, it's defensive football. It's not. Because if we weren't scoring at the rate we are, we'd be rock bottom. Wow. Okay, so that's one thing. Another thing is there are 11 days left of the January transfer window. We've made no sign-ins. That's one thing. But we've also sold nobody. And we've also created no loans for our academy players. We have done nothing. It's not just like there's no marquee signings coming. We've done nothing in this window. Zero. Nothing it, it, at all. It may as well be March. It, it, it's nothing is happening. Nothing is happening whatsoever. Um, Matt, I've got one thing I want to close with. So have you got anything else you want to, to talk about before we wrap up? No. Don't blame you. Okay, so the thing I want to close with is... Me and Matt in this show for the last hour have been pretty pissed off about Tottenham and football. And football is important to us and important to everybody listening to this, but it is not the be-all and end-all. And yesterday came across the incredibly sad news that former academy player Anton Walks died at the age of 25 in an accident in Miami. Now, this is a young man who I watched go all the way through the academy system and I'm absolutely gutted. He was a lovely kid. Um, spoke to him on two occasions in my life, which I'm going to treasure. And he's gone far too soon. So I just want to dedicate the the show to him today and fought to with his family and friends because that's far too young. Far too young. Yeah, well said, Sam. And that mm. is how we're going to end the show. A uh, massive thank you to everybody for listening. Um, I want to say a big thank you to everybody as well. After last week, I kind of dropped the bombshell <laughs> that I'm leaving. 
Um, some of the messages and emails I've had in, um, really kind, really, really kind. Um, and you've actually for one week drowned out the, the abuse. <laughs> so thank you very much. I appreciate it. You don't need to do it every week. <laughs> so that's not me saying that, but, um, I just want to say, I really appreciate it. I know Matt, I know you appreciate it as well. Cause we saw a few messages come into various social medias, uh, to us both. So Massive thank you, everybody. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, hopefully, things are improving on the pitch by then. By the time you hear from us, we'd have played Fulham and probably getting ready for an FA Cup tie. So only the one game to talk about. Come on, Tottenham. Come on, you Spurs. Let's try and get back on winning ways. Until then, everybody, you all take care. Take care, mate. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. Follow us on social media. All links are in the podcast description.